everyone and welcome to episode 87 of the Retrospectors podcast Ecstatica. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Turlings. So James, we're a week late. We both got a bit caught up with work but now we're back on the case. We both played through Ecstatica and are ready to talk about it. Did you find playing through the game was an ecstatic experience? Uh, when I got to the end, it sure was. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> my feelings during the game. Uh, this one came to us off a very high recommend over a long period of time from one of our listeners, R2 Sinus, who uh, pestered Patrick into submission over a couple of months until he picked this one. But um, he's not the only one that liked this game, apparently. I've heard all around the place uh, that there are devoted fans of this game here and there. We actually got an enormous response on Twitter when I started posting the uh, thing on it, which really surprised me. A lot of people apparently, this is the kind of game that that's in their memory somewhere, but they don't know the name of it and never really engaged with it outside that short period in which it released. Um, the other unfortunate aspect of admitting to being annoyed into submission is that some of my friends and people on Discord are like, ah, this is a strategy that works. <laughs> so I've had a few people start pestering with me. So hopefully this is the one and only time, but I guess we'll see what happens down the track. I've had that experience a lot and I don't dislike it. I like, um, you know, the worst thing is having to pick a game when you don't know what you want to play. It's kind of nice having a bunch of like, I'll just pick that because somebody wants to listen to it, right? <laughs> And yeah, I'd much rather play games that do have devoted followings because the things we usually uncover is that there's usually a reason people like these games, even if we disagree with that reason. And that means it's worth talking about one way or another. Absolutely. I imagine uh, there'll be a lot of that uh, this episode. <laughs> So for those who've never listened to us before, James and I make up the Retrospectors podcast. So what we do each and every fortnight is we play a classic game of the past, usually at least 15 to 20 years old. We've gone quite far back, all the way back to 1986, uh, with the newest games capping off around 2005. And what we're trying to do when we play these games is we're trying to deliver a modern criticism of them. We're not here to revel in the nostalgic experience of playing these games. We want to do an in-depth, critical deep dive to discover whether these games are worth your time today and whether they stand up alongside modern games that get released. So Ecstatica. So for those who've never heard of this game before, um, it's a survival horror game developed by Andrew Spencer Studios and was first released for MS-DOS in 1994. There are two versions of this game, um, the MS-DOS version, which is the one that everyone knows, but there was also a Windows version released of this game, but it never saw a standalone release. It was a bonus that was included with some versions of the sequel, Ecstatica 2, in 1997. So James and I, when we first started playing, we started playing the MS-DOS release because that was the only version that we knew existed. We went to good old abandonware.com and it was available. But we very quickly encountered some problems, didn't we, James? Yes, one of these issues was that I could not get the game to save, um, and neither could Patrick, so we both kind of spent the first few hours of our playthrough just trying to um, figure out how to get through the game without saving. We knew it wasn't too long, and we were making some progress, but I... I got sick of this pretty quickly and we found a repackaged version of the Windows release that was on the very same web page that we had missed the first time around. 
which uh, worked a bit better, didn't it? Yeah, so I will say that I feel like us not being able to get the MS-DOS version to work with saving and also it didn't have the full audio lines that the Windows version did. It's probably due to our incompetence with configuring things in MS-DOS because I found that there's an extensive wiki page that explains how to get it set up and I most definitely do not follow all those steps. So it's probably not the game's fault, it's probably our fault, but the Windows version is simply an executable and it works flawlessly immediately in every single way. So, I mean, if you want a flawless, like user-friendly experience for today, um, the Windows version is the way to go. But there are some differences and it even has gameplay ramifications if you um if you do choose to go for the windows version over the dos version yeah and in my opinion all positive gameplay ramifications <laughs> um such as more fluid controls a faster frame rate and a much higher resolution uh generally for all the character models I personally think that the Windows version is like strictly better. So when we played Resident Evil, James, one of our things that we talked about is that we, I guess, said that the controls being clunky was an intrinsic part of the experience. Do you not think that's the case here with Ecstatica? I don't think that the clunkiness of the controls adds a kind of depth that I am interested in here. Uh, in Resident Evil, I think it absolutely made the game better. I don't really think it does in this game, to be honest. Um, we'll get into that, but I yeah. vastly preferred the Windows version for this reason. I do agree with that as well. And like you said, we will get that into that further. But um, the way gameplay is structured in this game is very different to Resident Evil. Um, I will make the note that I do actually prefer the graphics of the MS-DOS version over the Windows version. Uh, the MS-DOS version is a lot uglier lower lower fidelity graphics but i actually think that ugliness and i guess lack of visual clarity works in its favor as like a survival horror game making you feel uncomfortable the windows version is almost like an hd remaster but without an increase in the texture fidelity it just comes across as kind of clean like a zoomed in version of runescape um, I know James feels differently to this. I know we, we were like this with Another World as well. I kind of see where you're coming from, right? It's like when I mm. look at Patrick without my glasses on, it looks better because <laughs> it's harder to see. And it's kind of the same here. The game isn't very pretty. Um, and when it's in lower resolution, a lot of its flaws are masked by the uh, low fidelity, let's say. That, what, that's how what, I feel. What a, brilliant, what a brilliant analogy, James, and I can't help but agree with it. Like, that's basically it. I think that when with this kind of graphical stylings, the lower resolution ma ma makes those flaws easier to overlook. So I do think that's the one pip that the MS-DOS version has, but on balance, I probably would recommend the Windows version. So just to give you guys a very baseline idea of what Ecstatica is, it's a third-person game with tank controls and fixed camera angles, kind of in the vein of Resident Evil. So you're moving through an environment, there are monsters to avoid and fight, there's puzzles to interact with by picking up items, that kind of thing in a, in a fairly small location, and you'll be moving 
between fixed camera angles as you're moving around this village. The story is basically that you've, um, you're have you a traveler, you've come to stop in a town for water, you go into the town and you immediately discover that things are very, very bad. Things have gone very, very wrong. There's demons running around. There's people who have been impaled on swords and are being sadistically tortured. It's not a pleasant place. Um, the rest of the story unfolds shortly after that. It's a short story, but it's basically uncovering the events of what led to the town and maybe even doing a little bit to stop it. So with with all that said, I, I think it's time to jump into the discussion. I, it's It's a pretty simple game, but I think that the thing that immediately strikes you when you first start playing is a feeling of being overwhelmed despite the simple premise and setup. James, what was it like your first, say, 20 minutes playing this game? Because for me, that first 20 to 30 minutes made quite an impression on me. Yeah, so the first thing that I always do with these older titles is go to the game's manual because the game's manual for these older titles usually contains, you know, comprehensive information and story details that these older games weren't able to convey visually. Um, so I noticed straight away that the manual was quite short. Basically, there was a page that had the game's controls, um, a page that, you know, recounts the setup that you're already shown at the beginning of the game, and then, you know, a little bit of text that says, good luck, you'll need it, basically. Uh, and right from the get-go, even before I had opened up the game, I was apprehensive. <laughs> Like, the moment I read through the controls, I was like, uh, what am I getting myself into, right? Because you open up the control page, and immediately the first thing you notice is that all the controls are on the numpad. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's like 8 to move forwards, 2 backwards, 4 to turn left, 6 to turn right, 5 to duck or dodge, whatever that means. And then the weird part starts, you know, showing, which is you press 7 to use your left hand, 9 to use your right hand, 1 to pick up with left hand, and 3 to pick up with right hand, which was giving me some very, I guess, Space Station 13 vibes of clunkiness. <laughs> that was it's the, not too far off, Yeah, I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then the second part of the controls is that your character has variable speed and you can change your speed. And how you do this uh, is with the function keys F1 through F12 with every <laughs> single one being a different speed from, you know, sneaking on F1 to sprinting on F12 with a, you know, a linear scale between them. So right off the bat, I was like, what the hell is this control scheme? Uh, and that feeling was definitely, you know, validated when I got dropped into this town uh, and was immediately met with a bit of combat against a little imp, which I, you know, awkwardly struggled through, and that wasn't too bad. Um, and then... I proceeded to run into big demons that would kill me immediately. Um, and so what ended up happening was me restarting the game over and over until mm. I could kind of like get a grip on the funky controls and, you know, try to figure out what the hell was going on because there is no direction in this game. You were just dropped into this mayhem of a town and you just have to figure things out yourself. 
yeah, I think there's an interesting note here to be raised about tutorializing. Um, James and I in the past have often criticized games for having, I guess, bare bones or not really having much of a tutorial. When we've done episodes on Civilization 4, Heroes of Mind and Magic 3 in particular, like these deep strategic games, which are, you know, kind of spreadsheet simulators, like there's a lot of menus, there's a lot of information to take in. And we didn't like how there wasn't a slow learning curve a slow build up to what was happening i think in this instance when the controls of the game are so simple that you can actually get away with having basically no tutorial if you can control the game entirely on one hand there's no menus there's no item screens there's no um you know inventory that you store items in even though it is incredible how hostile the world is it actually produces a fairly interesting experience that you don't really see in modern games. Modern games are mostly interested in slowly ramping, you know, slowly acclimatizing you to the challenge, which is good for some sort of games. But for this game, man, literally within seconds of starting, you if you walk forward instead of turning right into a door, a demon jumps out and slams you to the ground and then suddenly you have to pick yourself up off a torture rack in order to continue playing the game in a completely new location that he's moved you to. And I love it. Like, I, I actually think that, as you said, this initial opening was almost entrancing. It, trying to figure out what the hell was going on was a very um interesting experience and one that's almost unique that uh to my experiences i think this kind of thing is something that i'm intrinsically drawn to as well however i do think that there is this kind of initial overwhelming sense of anxiety that i feel when this point oh. when games do this to me that is quite unpleasant it's like the first 10 minutes like this idea that am I actually going to be able to finish the game is crawling through my mind like what am I going to do this is overwhelming what what is this guy who's been annoying us got us into <laughs> yeah yeah that that initial five minutes where I'm like oh what are we yeah what have we gotten ourselves into is kind of very off-putting and I imagine this would put a lot of people off the game um but once you push through that it is kind of fascinating like trying to bit by bit figure out what's going on what you can do with your hands like what you can pick up where you can go in the town like that kind of experience yeah is kind of fascinating to me um and i do you know fundamentally enjoy that kind of thing so at this point in the game like after i've pushed myself through my initial problems with the game i'm i'm kind of content to look around and this only got a bit better once we uh managed to get saves working yeah and i will say the lack of saves really contributed to this experience because what would happen is i had a pen and paper out right and i was wandering around taking notes like oh there's an item here oh if i get this teddy bear i can give it to the little girl in the barn um i was writing it all down because every time i sat down to play some work statica i was starting from the start so uh, yeah i've got to say i kind of enjoyed this initial experience but James, the more I played, once I got over this initial hump, once I started to, I guess, learn the loud of the town, um, I have to say the worse and worse I found the experience. Yeah, I have to agree with that as well. Basically, you know, what you said about the game 
you know, being a bit simpler to control in order to, you know, allow you to get acclimatized to the experience. What I kind of want out of an experience like this is for it to start out pretty simple um, and from the tasks that I need to be completing, you know, pretty easy. And then, you know, have a bit of added depth that I, you know, wasn't aware of added to the game over time. Like a good example for this is the hands system. When I when I saw this in the controls, I was like, okay, there's gonna be all sorts of weird stuff that I can use using my like my left hand and my right hand, um, like in something like Space Station 13, which has like a ton of depth behind its hand system. Um, and to me, it never kind of eventuated. You know, I was always, uh, the gameplay was always very, very simple. Like to me, what the gameplay ultimately ended up being was kind of like Resident Evil crossed with a point and click adventure, but a very shallow version of both of those things. When you are, you know, initially in the town and you're overwhelmed and everything's scary, it's good then, and then, as you said, once it doesn't start introducing more stuff, it kind of falls down and down and down, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think one of the... A, a good example of this is, is if we talk about... Um, let's talk about combat. Yeah. Because combat's a thing that's in this game, and I think combat's a really good example of how... It's a good, good like, thing to compare and contrast with Resident Evil. So... In this game, combat is monsters chase you. They chase you for a while, and then I think once you've left their area or once you've gone further away enough from them, they despawn, but they're not gone forever. They'll kind of resurface at random intervals around the town, right? These monsters are initially terrifying because you don't have a weapon. You're running around you know, with just your fists, the controls are difficult, so you don't know how to beat them up and so on and so forth. But once you do get a weapon and once you decide to engage them with com in combat you very easily stun lock them to death and they're and they're dead and that's the end of the combat puzzle and you know the combat is now over compare this to resident evil where not only were there you know different functional enemy types but the very act of deciding to take on an enemy or or not was a gameplay decision um the act of choosing whether to burn the body or not was a gameplay decision. The act of fighting the zombie was... Fighting a simple zombie with a pistol is more engaging mechanically um, than this game. And in Resident Evil, it's pretty simple. So what was originally a feature, combat, ends up being a non-feature because it lacks any depth whatsoever once you get over the initial hump of understanding how to do combat. I think this is due in part to the fact that you have regenerating health. Basically, like, if you get hit, you can just shrug it off and run away and they'll stop chasing you. And there's also, like, once you've gotten familiar with the game, because there's only, like, a few, like, smaller areas to go through, you do notice that there's only, like, maybe less than 10 enemies in the game, almost. Mm. And there is a sense of permadeath, so once you do finally deal with a demon, it's gone for good. So if you just kind of, like, clear the town out, um, you know, you kind of 
end up in a situation where there's nothing to threaten you anymore. Uh, there is one very persistent enemy that has a lot of health that is basically impossible to kill until the very end of the game. You're talking about like the werewolf sort of, I don't know what it was, but yes, the first enemy. the very first enemy, yeah. yeah. I, I didn't even kill him because I tried for a long time hitting him with a mace like for five minutes. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, that's what happened to me as well. I just like let restarted the game because he took forever. Because um, basically all combat boils down to is you have a weapon in one of your hands, you activate that hand, you swing the weapon, and then there is a duck button which you can press and you have a very generous amount of like iframes for like two seconds to dodge enemy hits. So it becomes just a very simple rhythm game of pressing like seven five seven five seven five until it's dead and there's nothing more to it basically you don't even need to use it if you can find the right setup for most of the enemies it was literally just unlock them i i just came you know moved a bit forward moved a bit backwards and when they were in there the end of their recovery frame you know that because they had iframes after each hit hit them again and you could you can do that to kill most of the enemies in the game i found the bigger enemies like the minotaurs required a bit of dodging um yeah. to do it without but for the most part you're right like all the little enemies you just go seven 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 um and you know if they get a few hits in doesn't matter your health will regenerate um so this kind of like hostility that the game did a really good job of introducing early kind of goes down the drain um there was another point I wanted to raise about the hostility. I thought that um, there's a lot of like red herring items in the game I found that kind of trick you because you're kind of just running around trying to find anything at the start of the game like a weapon. Um, there was the armor. yeah the armor this was like my favorite part of the whole game. So there's just like a troll. yeah it's such a troll so you find a weapon on the ground and then right next to it on the wall is a suit of armor. So you get the weapon and then immediately you're like, sweet, I'll put the armor on. So you put the armor on and immediately notice that it's very heavy and you can only like walk extremely slowly. Um, and I hadn't realized the point of this at the start of the game, but there are these little rocks on the ground that if you walk into them, they trip you. Um, at some point I tripped on a rock in the armor and my character could not get up off the floor. Uh, and I was forced to sit there until an enemy came and killed me. And you have to remember, like, we were playing without saves, so when we died it was back to the start. The same thing happened to me, it's very funny. It's very funny, like, I liked stuff like that, like, that part of the game, like, was really funny. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of Another World um, because everything yes. in that game is trying to kill you in one false step. And I mentioned on that episode that it was something that I quite liked um, and I wish it had been done in a different context. I'm not sure if this is the winning context, <laughs> but it, it, I have to say that aspect of this kind of school of game design still really intrigues me. And yeah, I, I really liked when Ecstatica did it. Yeah, and there is, like, while we're still in maybe first impressions territory, I we usually gloss over graphics because, you know, Patrick and I aren't very good at articulating how good... <laughs> and, you know, you can just look at a game and decide whether or not you like it. It's a bit different for gameplay and story, I think. Um, but for this game, a large portion of my initial impressions were characterized by my feelings on the visuals which were they are completely hilariously bad um so 
Ecstatica's visuals are kind of built upon this idea that the creator thought it would be a really cool idea uh, to create all of his characters with spheroids um, rather than polygons. So every character basically looks like he's made out of balloons. Um, yep. It's kind of ridiculous, especially in this, you know, this context of this super violent demon uprising in the town. I found it impossible to take anything seriously in this game. There was these like these scenes where this demon was stabbing a guy to death and I just could not stop thinking about how funny the character models look. Like multiple times <laughs> over the past fortnight I like sent screenshots to my friends and like we laughed together at how silly it looked. It was I I cannot take this game seriously. Its its visuals are just too outrageous. It's unreal. See, it's interesting because I agree with you in terms of its character models. They look stupid, but I do think that this game is a testament to just how damn good making games with fixed camera angles can look. Because I do think there are some artfully composited shots in this with you know people being stabbed and tortured and everything and i did quite enjoy coming to understand the layout of the town from different angles um particularly when you start getting up into the higher areas and you can see the town from a distance and you'd be like yeah i i understand what the layout of this town is so even though i found that the character models to look stupid I still was able to appreciate the artistry of these fixed camera angles, and I think more games should do fixed camera angles. I don't think all games should do it, but I do think there is, you know, a space for them in the gaming sphere. Can you imagine how, like, droll this town would be if you had free camera control? I feel like it would lose so much of what defines it as a game. I I agree with that. Um, although I'm not really as high on the the angles as you are, I don't think they're mm. as artful as like Resident Evils was so much better. But that you know that game was fantastic. Particularly when you start getting to the dungeons and stuff, it doesn't matter. It's mainly the um the pictures of the people being tortured. Wow, I wonder how I sound. But I found that the uh the more graphic uh, violent scenes of people being like pinned to crosses, having swords stabbed through them, a guy crawling on the ground. Oh, I thought all, all of that was terrible still. Like I, I, okay. I could not get into it at all. I thought it was so funny yeah. every time I saw one of so, the characters, yeah, the, basically. Those were the scenes that really um, stuck with me. And dude, but I, I kind of get where you're coming from. It's not, it's not a very good looking game. <laughs> yeah. There is one kind of benefit. I did notice using this kind of sphere system to build, your character models it's that they all of their i guess their joints had a lot of freedom of movement in terms of the way they were animated i thought that the animation for the way characters walked about and you know spoke and attacked was actually like surprisingly good for how terrible i thought the models themselves looked uh, I thought everything moved about quite smoothly, like even to the point of just walking around, you kind of noticed it in the way your character moved. Um, so I thought that was well done. Like from a visual standpoint, I think the animations are by far the best part. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I didn't really have a problem with them. I thought they were pretty good. But yeah, for me, it was all about those fixed camera angles. But yeah, overall, I'm not super high on the graphics, but I just want to draw attention to that as my big, big point. Um, James, let's have a let's have a quick music break uh, and then we can get into stuff like the puzzles and the story. 
Yeah, sure. Um, there's really only one piece of music that I think we can go with. It's the main theme of the town. There's not a whole lot of music in this uh, in this game. Um, I personally wasn't a big fan of any of it. I thought that the town one was just okay, but I'm I'm quite unsure of what tone this game is going for, and we'll get into that a bit more later. And I'm not sure how well the soundtrack fits either of the possible outcomes i guess yeah it's um it's mostly ambient droning and you know we're long long-standing fans of ambient droning here but i gotta say even this was probably a bit too minimalistic for my taste ambient droning connoisseurs this is ambient droning number one fan club yeah this is bottom of the barrel ambient droning this is the bad this is the first time we've played ambient droning and said it was just mediocre if you listen to something like the thief soundtrack it's kind of complemented by a lot of ambient effects so like if you're going through a forest there's rustles in the leaves um you know when you're when you're in the more industrial areas there's the clanking of steam and industrial machinery which help complement the soundtrack to help set the tone this is literally buzzing ambience and that's it uh so it's just not very interesting it it's not that it's intrinsically bad it's just there's not enough there for me to actually be invested in it yeah and the village theme to me was the least drony but it's still pretty uh, drony yeah <laughs> anyway this is the village theme guys i listened to it i guess <laughs> That was the village theme. It was 
one of the songs in the game. What what a ringing endorsement. I, so before we went to break, James, you mentioned something about the inconsistent tone. So I, I think it sounds like you're edging into a discussion of the story there. Yeah, so I am very confused about what this game was going for tonally. Like, was it supposed to be like a bit dark and gritty? The If you look at the game art for the cover, it looks like classic, like 80s, 90s fantasy novel Pulp novella art, yeah. cover, right? Yeah, and it looks almost a bit like The Witcher is what the vibes I get from it. And then, you know, the subject matter of the story is people being impaled and tortured by demons, you know, people being possessed, that kind of thing. And then the, you've got this really goofy, bright, cartoony art style, um, some very odd inclusions in the story, you know, and I, I, it was just kind of all over the joint for me. I couldn't tell whether it was trying to be dark and gritty or, you know, a fever dream, basically. <laughs> well, it felt like it was primarily dark and gritty, but then they kept undermining it with some goofy jokes. Um, and also, like, not even, like, jokes, just, just weird moments. Like, the first one that you probably encounter is, like, when you find the fat drunk demon that's kind of just sitting there and the soundtrack changes from this dark ambient oppressive droning to like this weird like ditty with trumpets and stuff to say yep here's the fat drunk demon have a laugh at him and then the big i don't know if you ever got to this but if you come down the stairs next to the big fat drunk demon he plays this animation where he raises his leg into the sky and just lets loose this massive fart and then laughs for like a minute at you. A minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah, there's also like little animation bits. Like if you go to the corner of the barn, your character kind of like leaps into a bed and just kind of lies there. Or there's a bit where you know you kind of slide behind a bar and then you leap over the bar joyously. And I agree with you, James. The tone of this game is like. 80% there like they were really there with setting a tone and atmosphere but they're like nah it's a video game we've got to have some funny bits in it because it's a video game so let's get some fun bits in it and for me it doesn't work at all like I, I think that the example of the armor is a really good example of a joke which works within the context of the world because you put on this heavy armor and then you die that's the kind of humor I want in this world not goofiness yeah and there was this like there was this one place where if you walked past it you, you would lose control of your character and he would just start taking a leak in the corner no joke just he just did that i mean it makes sense that he did that i guess but it was in this one specific spot and i felt like the devs put it in there because it was funny to them um there was a pissing statue um there was you know lots of like humor like that like there was this uh pregnant looking lady that would run after you and try to kiss you uh, apparently um, that has a gameplay thing um yeah it does actually yeah if you get turned into a frog she can undo it so but it is a little uh it is a little abrupt when it first starts happening and you're thinking what the hell is going on with this the game? fuck is going on yeah there's all this kind of thing going on and to be honest this was one of the things actually driving me to play through the game is to see all the weirdness. Like, I have to say, I don't hate it as much as you sound like you do. I just wish the game had kind of picked a lane and stuck with it. Like, did it want to be 
a dark and gritty game or did it want to be you know a fever dream and i kind of wanted one or the other um although you know i've played a few of fever dreams in my life so i was kind of down for it to go just to be as stupid as possible um because that was a lot more engaging to me than the gameplay i think it is possible to have both like the game that comes to mind is pathologic which i think is a game that is dark and gritty and a fever dream at the same time and it's not fair comparing any game story to pathologic but at least it shows it's possible yeah that's true um you linked an image in the discord that was your impression of the game oh um, yeah and that kind of rang true with me yeah so that's um the garden of earthly delights which you know the the first few panels are people engaging in lustful acts but the final one is of uh various creatures uh you know torturing people and honestly that's how it felt when i first started playing the game like i was like oh my god is is it like creatures various creatures from hell have emerged and are just torturing people in a sadistic way so yeah that and even though it doesn't actually look like that that i felt it was evocative of of what that painting was going for i did have a note about the story here james so i'm going to spoil the story if you really deeply care about ecstatica's story uh just skip ahead five minutes or so it's it's fairly simple but it's really good guys <laughs> it's it's not like intrinsically bad or anything like the idea is uh... that um the maid i don't know if she's the sorcerer's apprentice basically steals a book of magic and she starts you know gets in contact with demons and then shit goes sideways because she summons a lot of demons in the town she doesn't do it by mistake either she's very cognizant of what she's doing you know she summons the first demons has a chat with them and is like man i'm so good at magic so on and so forth and the whole game is you trying to uh stop the head evil demon and uh rescue her and my question for you james is why did we rescue her isn't she the reason the town has gone sideways why did we rescue this girl why, why did she deserve rescuing well, if you take her away from the town, then the town is saved. But we've already saved the town. I killed the demon. Why do I now need to take her away from the town? She needs to be burned as a witch, is what needs to happen, James. She's the one who's responsible for unleashing the suffering on the town. Maybe you're taking her to to a place to give her corporal punishment, because that's what she deserves. If by corporal punishment you mean a good time, maybe... <laughs> Uh, I I think uh, the ending is very, you know, this is the girl that the hero gets off with at the <sighs> That's end. That's so uh, stupid, though. She's the evil person who, it, it, she caused all the problems. I just didn't understand why we were rescuing her at the end of yeah, the game. Yeah, but I think that's part of the shitty humor that the game is trying to lean into, right? Okay, like, that's, a, that's other, a generous interpretation. <laughs> yeah, because there's like two endings. There's that ending, and then there's the ending where you sell out the town to the demons and you get... Uh, eternal pleasure in the demon king's harem with all of his, yeah, you know, down in the dungeon. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, <laughs> what a, pretty good. What a, what a Being wonderful fanned deal. by huge muscular men. <laughs> what more could you possibly want? Um, I, I mean, I thought the story was working fine. I thought the ending was quite bad. I, I really did. The, the ending, ending was terrible. Yeah. Like broad strokes are fine. Yeah. Like I'm totally into this idea of being dropped into this creepy town. And then having to find, you know, all the little diaries and figuring out, you know, this uh, sorcerer's apprentice, you know, got a bit too big for her britches yep. and decided to, you know, she wanted power. Uh, that, you know, all of that's fine. Like the story 
is best when it's not saying stuff. Like whenever characters open their mouth, it's like when it goes downhill, <laughs> was in my opinion. It's like this game not only benefits from being a bit blurrier so you can't see the spheroids, but it kind of benefits when the story is vague and unsaid. Uh, at least that was how I felt about it. Yeah, and I, I think that's how I feel as well. You know, I, I think that the story is mostly functional until the ending, which feels very abrupt and unsatisfying. And yeah, I, I regret rescuing the girl. There should be an option to execute girl at the end of the game, and I would have taken that option in a heartbeat. No, you have to give her to the law, Patrick. That's not, that's not how society functions. You can't just take this vigilantism uh, into your it's own It's a feudal hands. society. Maybe we are justified. Maybe our characters are martial. That's my headcanon. They're, they're allowed. <laughs> they're a judge. <laughs> they're a judge. <laughs> I mean, the game doesn't say they aren't a judge. Therefore, they are a judge, right, James? Correct. A any Anything else about the story, James? No. Let's move on to the next puzzles? bit about gameplay. Yeah, puzzles. So this game is a bit of a point-and-click adventure in some ways where... You are trying to find, like, you look, find items in buildings and you need to figure out where to take said items to continue the game. Um, the main difference being that you only have two slots to carry stuff in, uh, one of which will generally be your sword. So, um, but, you know, puzzles generally don't need that many things. I was largely unimpressed with the puzzles themselves there was a couple of okay ones i just thought that the solutions were kind of mundane however i do think that this kind of gameplay lends itself really well to this idea of having to explore this unfamiliar town so from that point of view i do think it fit the game and made it better yeah i think that once again the comparison here of games we've played to draw is definitely resident evil because the puzzles if anything are simpler than resident evil it it is still a lot of find item use item and slot kind of thing but the thing that made the puzzles in resident evil interesting is that there was gameplay tension um in actually getting them done because puzzle items took up an inventory slot so the game still has that same feeling of once again in that first hour really when you're exploring the town you'll find an item you'll be like okay this is an item that will probably be useful in some fashion at some time but you have fewer slots in this game yeah it, you do right but you don't in Resident Evil, it's I guess it was based around save rooms. So you were doing runs from the safe rooms with, you know, and you had to decide what gun to carry, whether to carry ammo, whether to carry healing items, how much room you'd have for puzzle items. With this game, I kind of solved the combat puzzle, killed everything. Then I, or, you know, not the Minotaurs, but I killed most of the things in the town. And then I, you know, made a note of where every item in the game that I could access was. And then I went to those items and, you know, chucked them in the magic potion blender or made a note of it for later. And then the puzzle was solved and I kept going. It wasn't a puzzle in the sense that it presented me a challenge for me to solve. It was just about coming to grips with what was there and you know, where all the items were and where all the locks were and then just using them as I went. So I wasn't ever like scratching my head, what do I do next? Except for one one instance where I had to look up a walkthrough due to my own stupidity. But um, the rest of the time, it just felt like I was progressing linearly and fairly easily through the puzzle portion of the game. Yeah, there was a couple points near the end where I had to look up a guide just because it seemed a bit obscure to me. I probably could have worked them out if I kept looking 
the main thing was um, due to the some of the fixed camera angles were a bit odd so that there was a couple areas in the game that I never actually found because they were off in weird spots um in the in the dungeon right no mostly the oh. the lake where you become a knight and the stone circle mm. um I couldn't figure out because I would always go like towards the castle and then back towards the town and I hadn't realized that there was this like side path if you go you know kind of to the right of the witch's house i guess yeah it's hard those outside areas are harder for me to map in my head because you don't have all the buildings providing um frames of reference yeah but the puzzles themselves for me the the main thing is i never felt like clever for figuring out a puzzle or there was never that aha moment where things slid into place it wasn't so much of like figuring out a puzzle, more like get item, take it to place that was pretty obvious. Yeah, um, there's no, and like I said, despite the two hand limit, I didn't feel like there was gameplay tension with these puzzles. Um, and I think this isn't a point and click adventure game. It's meant to be a survival horror game in the mold of Resident Evil. But in Resident Evil, the puzzles felt like they were interacting with the other systems in meaningful ways. It doesn't feel like there's the interaction there because you don't have the level design and the combat um, influencing those puzzles in a way that you know makes any 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 uh, difference whatsoever. Yeah, the survival and the horror aspect kind of go out the window pretty early, to be honest. Mm. Um, and at that point, when it's no longer a survival game or a horror game. Um, to me, it kind of became a bit dull, but the game is only about, you know, if you, if I played the game start to finish, knowing what I was doing, I reckon I could do it in like 90 minutes, maybe. Maybe um, even shorter, honestly. Yeah, but it did take me quite a bit longer to get to the end, um, figuring things out. And that's kind of important. Um, although I'd say, you know, like two thirds of that, it was probably in that territory where I'd kind of you know, overcame the the curve and gotten to that point where it was no longer challenging me. Um, I do have one final thing, I guess, um, about attention to detail, or rather maybe lack of attention to detail. I don't know what the opposite is, like, you know, inattention to detail, maybe. But I <laughs> a felt, shallowness? Yeah, I, I felt like that was present here in a lot. Like, for example, one of the very first objectives I had as a player uh, coming into the game was I needed to find a weapon because there was scary enemies and I, you know, I could defend myself. Uh, so there were multiple places in the town where there was like a sword stabbed through a body um, or into a table. Uh, and I spent a very long time trying to pick these up out of the scenery because to me it was like there's a sword right here why wouldn't i just get it i, I did the same thing yeah that, that <laughs> i was of... like oh this is where you get a sword from <laughs> yeah it was very not obvious to me what i could interact with and it was very frustrating that very obviously you know to me what what makes sense just never happened um there was a couple of places like this throughout the game that i found really annoying it's um, also an, a control issue because the weird uh your two interact keys are left hand and right hand it's not a use key so in other games you use your use key like in resident evil on an item and it either does something or it doesn't with this there's a lot of am i positioned in the correct angle so that my left hand would be interacting with this item 
And so it can be hard to tell when you're successfully meant to interact with something or whether it's something that you can't actually deal with. Yeah, and you kind of, I guess for me, what I realized was like, oh, if the item is drawn in the stupid like balloon art style, I can interact with it. And then <laughs> the backgrounds are like a lot less stupid looking than the character models. And if the sword looks like a normal sword, well, I probably can't pick it up, basically. Um, all the items look stupid, like the character models, all the backgrounds looked fine. Uh, so, yeah, I, I did notice a bit of stuff like that. But there was, like, there was, like, nice attention to detail occasionally. Like, that bit of armor stands out to me. Um, and a couple of little, you know, dialogue interactions with some of the townsfolk. The ability to hide in closets um, or in pots, depending on where you were. On that note, James, we mentioned briefly earlier that there's like different move speeds, sneaking, uh, normal speed and sprinting. Did you ever use anything else apart from sprint at maximum speed? Because I certainly did not, except for one part where it was almost like a puzzle solution. The rest of the time I was bloody gunning it because you yep. can outrun every monster in the game and i think it's an example of they put in this this system of different move speeds but they didn't ever really give you a reason to engage with it i i don't know why you'd ever choose to sneak past a monster versus sprint past them when you can lose a monster after a couple of screen transitions anyway yeah it almost just feels like it's there to trick the player like um <laughs> like i spent a while trying to sneak past things at the start of the game only to realize it was pointless and then just you know hit f12 and never looked back <laughs> it's like a red herring of a control scheme i don't know Ooh, well played game you tricked us into using <laughs> your sneak yeah <laughs> yeah game. well done <laughs> yeah congratulations i I don't know. It felt poorly implemented. Uh, what what this all adds up to is that there's not actually much in terms of substantial gameplay here. Once you once you get past that um that initial feeling of, you know, the world being against you and panicking and, you know, running through screens and not knowing where you are, once you start to get to grips with the world and how it works and how the combat works, you don't have much of a game left at all. It becomes kind of like a linear puzzle adventure. And it's a linear puzzle adventure that isn't supported by the characters and dialogue that you might find in other point-and-click adventure games like Monkey Island or, you know, even something like Leisure Suit Larry. Sounds like we're about ready to wrap up, hey? It kind of does, doesn't it, James? Well, I, I've spoken a bit, so how about you tell tell everyone what you think of Ecstatica and whether people should play it today? So despite all of my negativity surrounding Ecstatica, I don't actually hate the game. In fact, I did have a bit of fun with it during the first, you know, hour or so of the experience. I think that there is a lot of value to be had laughing at the awful graphics, even <laughs> though maybe that isn't intentional. I got a lot of pleasure out of that over the past couple of weeks. Maybe some people will, you know, not think this is funny, but I thought it was hilarious. I do really enjoy the intrinsic idea of being dropped into an unfamiliar situation and just having to figure things out. There is something inherently enjoyable about that if you can push through the initial, you know, feelings of anxiety that comes with that. Unfortunately, I don't think that Ecstatica is a game that I can recommend at all to people. I think it's an interesting game and I'm not upset that I played it. It didn't make, I didn't hate playing the game. It was just kind of whatever with some, you know, fascinating little quibbles here and there. 
That said, on the whole, mechanically, I think it's a very poor experience. There is a huge lack of depth here that really harms what I think the game is going for. I really think that the game could have, you know, narrowed down on which kind of atmosphere it was going for, be it dark and gritty, or, you know, just completely balls to the wall stupid and, you know, fever dream-like. I could have gotten behind either of those things, but I think it does a fairly shallow job at both. The best thing that I can say about the game is that it's super short um, and that, you know, I guess the good part of the game ends up being a fairly large percentage of it because of that, but it's a very obtuse, weird, um, and ultimately unrewarding game with a terrible ending that I just can't recommend <laughs> other people play, but I'm not upset that I played it. Yeah, I think you and I are mostly on the same page with this one, James. Um, I can't recommend Ecstatica either. There's just not enough here um, substantially. One of the reasons, it's it's been a bit of a struggle to talk about stuff like the combat and the puzzles and everything because there just really isn't much here. You're kind of just um, going through the motions and once you understand how the combat works, once you get to grips with the layout of the map, the game almost plays itself. So even though I do think that the hostility of the world is interesting and intriguing, even though I do really like the fixed camera angles and the presentation of the world, I just don't think there's enough gameplay here to make this an enjoyable game. And compared to the survival horror games we've done so far for the show, it's really just not, not a very good game. I think that those who have an interest in history, um, those who want to have an idea of where some of the roots of the survival horror genre will find something to appreciate here but in terms of will this be a fulfilling game for gaming experience for you today the answer is a resounding no and um it's unfortunate but uh yeah it's it's just not a very good game like with the another world episode though i have to say i do like this hostility of the player and i am interested in playing other games where this is present there's something very intriguing and interesting about having to overcome and come to terms with a world that absolutely hates you being alive and um i i want to play more games that tap into this uh this feeling but ecstatica as a whole unfortunately doesn't doesn't add up to much it's a no from me um can you think of any other games that tap into this feeling james like i i know there's this modern game called rain world i've, I've watched some reviews yeah of it, that's and it the one to... i want to give a go i reckon that's the game but yeah. I, I hear it's very difficult and very hostile perfect yeah it, it, from what i've seen of it it is exactly that but it seems to have some more substantial gameplay mechanics and it does sound like something like i said i i am intrigued in this in in the suffering but yeah when it's as shallow as this game ended up being it just doesn't give me the experience i'm craving so thank thank you everyone to listening to us talk about ecstatica thank you for your patience i know this one was a was a week late but you know work's gonna work Luckily, I think we've got over that hump, so should be back to fortnightly releases. Um, we are the Retrospectors podcast. Each and every fortnight, we play through classic games of the past and tell you the truth about what they're actually like. Um, you can find all of our content on our website, which is rspodcast.net. It's got all of our episodes, all 87 now, as well as a bunch of articles that James and I have written about games old and new. Most importantly, we have a Discord server. Discord servers where we do most of our community interactions. We discuss old games and new you know we complain about jrpgs or rather i do and um we take listener suggestions this one recommended to us by r2 sinus um it was an interesting one and we appreciate the suggestion and if there's a game that you think 
is worth our time to play and talk about, we'd love to hear it. We, we've got a long list, but we're always looking to add to it. Uh, so yeah, please, um, if you enjoy the show, drop by our Discord server, say hi, and drop us a recommend if there's something you reckon we should check out. James, I picked Ecstatica for this week. I felt it was my duty. Uh, what are we doing next Fortnite? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what to play, and then I realized that I had been playing a lot of Moshime Sama again, even though we covered that game in February. I just keep coming back to this one because I find it so damn enjoyable, and I realized I really haven't played enough shoot 'em ups, and we did one not too long ago, but I want to do another. We've done enough stealth games and shooters and 3D no, platformers, and <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, I want to play a second shoot 'em up, so. Last time we did one, um, I think we probably went into the deep end pretty quick. And one of our Patrick's big things was that we wanted to play a game that wasn't so high score focused, maybe less intense gameplay wise. So a friend of mine show me um, Tyrion 2000, which looks to be right up the alley. It looks to be about seven to ten hours long. Um, you know, has individual levels, much of a less of a focus on crazy amounts of bullets, uh, ship upgrading and that kind of thing. And general reviews are really high and the soundtrack is really good from what I've heard. So we're going to go with Tyrion 2000 because I just really want to play another shoot 'em up. Yeah, and I'm eager to give this a crack. Like, uh, I respected Mushihima-sama for what it was, but I found that it was just too much too quickly for someone who had literally never engaged with the genre before in their life. It seems much more sensible to get into something like this, which, you know, is is it a Western game, James? Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it seems to make more sense to go with kind of the more casual Western take on the genre and then ramp up to bullet hell. Hint, hint, James. Come on, mate do better next time what? don't pick literally one of the hardest ones as our, as our first one you know it's literally like the easiest like one of the easier ones um i picked it because so many people like online were saying that was the one to start with man i'm, um, a, I'm a filthy casual james. That's, <laughs> that's what the that must be the truth when it comes to this i'm a filthy casual because that game was way too hard for me it was quite it was just the structure though yeah, I, I guess. But anyway, from what I've seen of this game, I've seen a little bit, it does look much more user-friendly. So I'm keen to get into it because it looks fun in a way that's not going to be overwhelming. So yeah, good good pick, James. I'm uh, I'm keen to give this one a try. Mm -hmm. This will be the start of dozens of shooter ups on this show. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to take revenge on me for all the stealth games. Yeah, I, I, yeah I'm hoping to overclips the number of stealth games by the end of the year. Yeah, good luck because I'll start alternating stealth games if you can't keep picking shmups. Well, we've already we'll done the them all though. <laughs> There's there's at least two left, so you know I've got some ammunition in the chamber. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you so much to everyone for listening to us this fortnight, and we'll see you next fortnight for Tyrion Two Thousand. Is that what it's called? Yes. Tyrion Two Thousand. It's based off Game of Thrones. So. Uh huh. Shut up, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> see you then, guys. Bye.